Hey everyone, welcome back to Elevate Retake. My name is Michael and it's good to be back. I spent a couple weeks away, vacation, summer camp, all that kind of fun stuff. But today I got to sit down in the studio to talk with Jonathan Coker. Hi, this is Jonathan. And uh, like he said, we're talking about the, the very last portion of First Thessalonians. It's our blessing that we read every Sabbath. And it was kind of nice to be able to sit down and look at it with fresh eyes. And I really, really appreciated your approach. It was fresh for me. I mean, we say this blessing oh, week in and week out. Yeah, we do. And we got a glimpse of it, I think, in a new light. And it changed my perspective on the book of First Thessalonians. Like, I was digging it up until that point, And then I really dug it and uh, how Paul kind of brings and puts a, a wrap on, on the end of the book. So we sat down today to talk a little bit more about it. So let's dive in. So where do we start? Or have we already? Or uh, We, we kind of like started and then we didn't. And then I'm sorry. Half the stuff you said when I stopped recording was like, this would be gold. Well, we can go <laughs> back. But I just like, I'm concerned. So here's my thing with talking about topics that are um, controversial. Yeah. Did I say that right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like the more the more controversy there is, it's not that it ne doesn't necessarily need to be spoken about, but the... I. And I and I could be wrong. What I say next, but I feel like the audience with which you have that conversation needs to be smaller. Because I I wonder uh, and I'm concerned yeah. about the person that's going to listen to this and not understand the context or where I'm coming from, mm -hmm. or have a follow up question, or think that I'm going in this totally different direction, or that I sure. hate my church, or yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I don't. I love. I I <laughs> I really do love my church, but a part of yeah. loving something is also pointing out its errors so that it can right. be better. And right. anyway. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm with you on that because we publish this and it's like, yeah, you don't know who's going to listen. Yeah. And, and like, and I, I, I work for the church and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I think that's in some ways the beauty of Adventism. I mean, how much would it take to get fired? In some ways, not a little or in some ways a little and in a, a lot of ways it would take a lot. Because I think that there's there is longitude in our ability to call out the system or the structure, and not feel like our necks on the line. So, for instance, if you're in a congregational church model, mm -hmm. um, and your paycheck is paid by the immediate church body, uh, you have to be careful how far you push because that's literally your paycheck. I see. And in our Adventist model, our the tithe is given to a bigger body, and then pastors are employed by a larger body that organizes the churches. So you think that gives, uh, let's say, pastors or employees uh, a little bit of cover fire? Or I think so. I mean, as long as you're in line with the bigger body. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. necessarily cover fire for the, the bigger I, body. I still, and I know we've talked about this, like not on, uh, not on the podcast, but like I still, I don't know what it looks like for our church to be able to, I don't know whether we have to, but we, to be able to disagree with grace on something like yeah. we have fundamental beliefs and we, we tend to treat them like, well, those are doctrines and they're set in stone and that's not it at all. Like as yeah. you're studying and learning about the God of the universe, he is without end in what there is to know about him. So I should be constantly willing to update and change and move according mm -hmm. to what I've learned, what I believe. Yeah. In macro and micro ways. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's but infinitely I, scalable. And I, I feel like we get something right, and then we put it in the perfect box, and never yeah. want to touch it again. And that's that. I'm so, oof. That that scares yeah. me. Yeah, 
that's such a cold approach to a document that's alive. Because yeah. we've seen our movement slow down in terms of the progression yes. of our of our belief. Yes. We were super radical in the 1800s and in the early 1900s mm -hmm. when you have... And willing. Yes. It's not, it's not that the new beliefs that were coming out were so radical. That's that's true that they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the willingness to sit down and say, man, maybe church isn't supposed to be on this day. Maybe it's supposed to be on that day. Like that blows my mind. Yeah. No one would be willing to do that in our church today. Yeah. Yeah. And and like and and for those listening, like I'm 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 on, I'm on board with, with <laughs> Seventh Day Sabbath, hundred yeah, percent. Sure. All right. Please don't fire me. Um, but but uh, how many of us are willing to sit back down and say, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Let's take a look at the scriptures. Like if it's not able to stand a little bit of scrutiny, mm -hmm. then should I believe it? Yeah. Anyway. And how do we do that? It as a. <laughs> I think it's easier to do it at an individual level than necessarily an institutional level. Yeah. Because the institution provides the ability well, that for... That might be why we're struggling as an institution, because it's hard for us to do individually. Mm -hmm. At least that's what I discover. I'll just, in a, in a, in a micro way, in my classroom, that's what I... It's hard. Yeah. Chain, examining what you believe and being willing to let this document with 66, yeah. you know, sub, uh, subsections change yeah. what you believe instead of approaching it and letting it tell you. Yeah, I mean, and let and you and you tell it, they tell it. Yeah. yeah, that's that's hard and scary because you're going to end up outside of the group in some areas, and mm -hmm. it's always uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And then how we navigate that is a yeah. I think we lost that. Yeah, I I, I do. I think I think we lost that competency because you yeah. know the first time Sabbath wasn't always a thing. Let's just keep using it as an example. The first yeah. time that was like mentioned in a group setting, people were like, what? Yeah. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I can't imagine someone going after. It. I don't. Yeah. It, well, and you think of the, so in, for hundreds of years, fifteen hundred years, or what? When, when was it? Uh, Constantine in three hundred BC or something like. Mm, somewhere. Took right. on, took on the, the, it became like a religious state. Yeah. Like Christianity became their religion. And then we picked and the 66 books. And, yeah. We yeah. did all that. We did all that <clears throat> stuff. Right. And then in large part, worship got changed, moved. Holy day got moved from seventh day to first day. And we look back and we say, oh, how barbaric, how, how could they have come to that conclusion? And we also, we look at our time now and say, hmm. In large part, Seventh-day Adventist theology revolves around the idea that you have to keep the seventh day in a particular way in order to obtain salvation or to be a part of God's chosen people. And you look back at history and you look at like the great reformers who we revere in terms of Martin Luther oh. and Zwingli. Mm -hmm. And did they keep, were they Seventh-day Adventists? Mm -mm. No. And so our, in some ways, the defining line of salvation is lost because they didn't keep the Sabbath. Or even uh, being a part of the wider body of people that I can listen to to learn from. Mm -hmm. So we become, we become insular, right, in our little, mm -hmm. our little pond, mm -hmm. and we're not willing to, yeah. No, the Holy Spirit's doing amazing work outside of our church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? And we sometimes tend to ignore it or kind of poke poke fingers at somebody else whose theology yeah. might not be exactly Yeah, because right. it didn't pass the litmus test, so I yeah. can't I can't listen. Yeah. You know, you gotta you got it all twenty eight and then I'll listen. Yeah. But Paul will say in Philippians, he says, 
Um, yeah, some people have been twisting the words of Jesus, but I literally don't care because Jesus is being preached. Wow, that's true. Philippians Dang. chapter one. And so like, where do, where do we get off? I don't know. That's hard. <laughs> it just may, may not be our place to police God or what's said about him. Like, yeah. Just be the representative that you're supposed to anyway. Yeah. So should we start the podcast? <clears throat> Probably. What do we, what do we need to talk about? <laughs> we covered the entire book of first Thessalonians. We did. Um, it's a beautiful letter. Yeah. You know, and I love that it sets up the tradition because because most scholars would agree that it's the first one mm -hmm. that he wrote that he wrote, and so yeah. there's like it's unprecedented. Like he couldn't yeah. get back. He wanted to be in person to deliver this message, and because he couldn't, yeah. that's why he decides to write a letter. And because he couldn't, that's why we have the letter. Yeah, which is just like yeah, you know, which yeah, reminds yeah. me of like man. You know, he, met, he must have been a little upset with God. Like, obviously, I need to get back to these people. Obviously, I need to be with them. Obviously, that'd be better than writing a letter. That, like, God's ways are always better than ours. And I, you, we just don't see the whole picture. So for thousands of years later, other people have been reading this letter and gaining insight. And, and, and we would not have had that otherwise. I read uh, a quote this morning from a new book called It's Not Your Turn by Heather Thompson Day. And it says, God can answer your prayer in a moment. So he's got the power to do it right off the, the bat. Mm -hmm. But what God really needs are vessels he can keep pouring into. Mm. And so he, God used Paul and that terrible situation where their, their lives are on the line and they spend anywhere between three weeks and three months in Thessalonica. Mm -hmm. That's all they've got at most three months. Mm -hmm. And they get run out of town. And to think of how, and Paul says he's discouraged. He's like, I, I wish I could go, but not. And God used that circumstance to bring about the letter. And like you say, to, to, yes. for, to edify us. So I forgot to include this when I was uh, preaching last Sabbath. I, there was, there's an illustration that goes along with that line of like, God is faithful. And I, I just, I just skipped right on. I was, I feel like I, maybe I felt like I was running out of time or something. Probably wasn't. Anyway. And <laughs> you weren't, but it's okay. It's, <laughs> I, so. There's this story I wanted to tell about how on my first mission trip I went to uh, I went to Mexico. We were in this little tiny um, town, yeah. and we were building a church. And you know how you do uh, in Mexico? We're making out of cinder block, and yeah, yeah. like I'm learning how to make them. I'm like in seventh grade, and I don't know what I'm doing. And people are yelling <laughs> at me, "Get off the line!" And I don't know what that means. And you know, you know, we're building a church, and the whole time we're there. We're not able to make all that much progress because it rains. It just mm -hmm. pours. Mm -hmm. It just mm -hmm. pours and pours and pours all night long. Mm -hmm. And you know, like on mission trips, you usually have like meetings at night. We had them on the job site. Yeah. Which is, you know, we'd like put up tarps and then people yeah, could yeah. like sit on it and they would hear the message over all this deafening rain. Yeah. We were getting larger and larger crowds every night, like more people than what the actual job site could contain. Oh, wow. yeah. Just yeah, yeah, standing yeah. room only. Yeah. And it was raining all the more. And we were like, man, we were up front. So we started getting together as a group, praying that God would withhold the rain so that we could finish building this church so the community could have it after yeah. we left. Because we wanted to leave them with a completed yeah, uh, yeah, structure to, yeah. to worship in. We're like, man, you've got this huge congregation. They're all coming together. God, can't you understand that we're here <laughs> to do your will and build this church? Yeah. And so we get to the end of the week. We're super discouraged. We've been praying. I mean, like prayers, you know, the ones that, like we get together and you pray, I pray, we all pray. We go around in a circle. We do all the different ways of praying so that, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. my goodness, yeah, yeah. we do it all. And on the last day, we're discouraged, disheartened, can't understand why God's not answering our prayer. 
we're about to get onto the bus and a person from the community comes out to say goodbye to us and we you know we're apologizing and the lady goes why why are you apologizing like we wanted to have the church done and we couldn't get it finished we'll try to come back later and maybe mm -hmm. send some money so it can get done uh down the road and she says oh you don't understand the reason that everybody came out wasn't because you were building a church it was because we had been in a drought for the past three or four years and we were in a farming community wow they came because they heard you brought the rain gives me chills god's ways are higher i oh than our ways like goodness. we don't know what he's doing wow <laughs> yeah job moment. job moment yeah i'll never forget that yeah like we were uh, we were mad as a group yeah. with god like yeah. indignant like just why would you send us down oh i heard you brought the rain they all came because you brought the rain yeah, and how many times in our everyday lives we're, we're frustrated because we don't get the job maybe that we wanted to or we don't yeah. can't have the family that we want to or mm -hmm. didn't uh, you spent the past month trying to buy a car. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, and all these like inconveniences that mm -hmm. we see and we're like, God, if you would just understand, if you could just intervene and God says, no, mm -hmm. I can answer your prayer right now, but I, I've got the bigger picture mm -hmm. in mind. There's mm -hmm. bigger things going on. And sometimes we see it in the moment, yeah. you know, like that lady coming at the end and like saying, Hey, that came because you, you, uh, yeah. I heard you brought the rain. But then other times it's, it's a lifetime yeah. that passes before we look back. We yeah. Say, had that lady not come, I still would have been like, how dare him? Like, like yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was a humbling moment. So anyways, God is always faithful yeah. to us. Yeah. We just are unaware of it. Yeah. And I, I have to remember when the answer is no to my prayers that there's there's a Job story going on and I just can't see the whole cosmos yeah. playing out the way that he can. Mm -hmm. And it sucks, but at least he sits with me through the sucky parts. Yeah. You know? yeah. I like how you pointed out in the message, and it hadn't really occurred to me because we say 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24 every week. <laughs> like yeah. clockwork right at the end of the service you go or whatever and sometimes i think the the words get lost you know you repeat something so often it becomes meaningless mm. so i think it's still meaningful for our community and I, I come back with it with fresh eyes hearing what you say but i like how you pointed out paul has just gone through five chapters in this letter of you know the gushing kind of affection for the people and then mm. his frustration that he couldn't come he blesses them and says hey here's how i want you to live mm. And then he gets to verse 23 and you expect him to then exhort the people and say, now live in this way. Yeah. Like now you guys continue to do this. And he says, no, now may God himself. Yeah. Cause it's impossible. Yeah. And I like, that was a, that was a, like an aha moment for me that I don't like if I was looking at, I don't know if I would have come up with that, uh, to, to, to hear that articulated from you. Mm. And I'm like, that makes so much sense. Says, hey, here's the way that you should live. Now may God Himself sanctify you, cause you to live in mm -hmm. this way. And He's faithful and He'll do it, mm -hmm. by the way. Like that, that was another speechless moment for me. That that's that's the back. secret. That's the secret sauce. Yeah. Yeah. 
the Holy Spirit shows up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We like try to make it all complicated, right? Mm -hmm. Like we sit through endless classes. I don't even know how many classes we take at the seminary. And yeah, you know, and I, I come at things like, so like we talk about Enneagram, like I'm Enneagram five. I come at things analytically yeah. and like, I want to understand. And there's like a head knowledge and like, if I can't solve it with my own, uh, understanding, I get pretty frustrated. Cause like, I see the, how the world works in those terms yeah. and it, it just, it doesn't get the job done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's only by God, by spirit. Yeah. And I think applying that to elevate, you know, we are coming up on eight years that elevate has been a thing. I think is it this, eight? this December is eight That's years. Scary. Yeah. It's scary. Damn. And you, you, we look back over the years and there's a number of people that have quote unquote held the reins of this thing. Right. Mm -hmm. You and I, and a couple of people have it now, but then there's other people that have, that have had it in the past and how God has remained faithful every step of the way. Mm -hmm. And I don't think what we're doing today is any better than what's come before. I totally agree. It's not that, oh, now that we're in the sanctuary, we're yeah. doing this. Elevate has always served a purpose in the place that it's been. Mm -hmm. And it's been exactly what this is, community has needed since its inception. And it grew out of some frustrations and, and annoyances and some grievances and has come and walked with a group of people and a group of people has walked with it for the past eight years. And God's been pouring himself out into that. And to think about all the different people that have sat around the table that we sit around in our weekly meetings yeah. uh, and all the people that have come through the doors. Um, I was just talking to someone this morning and they said that they have been regular attenders at Elevate for the past four years. Um, and they're, they're a family that kind of sneaks in and sneaks out. They're not the like, hey, we're here to, to help. Like we have several of those that are just like right in front. And they said, no, Elevate's been quietly ministering to us over the past four years. Oh, wow. And the it's a husband and wife, three kids. <clears throat> husband grew up Adventist, had a very, very bad experience in an Adventist church about 15 years ago. Yeah, I feel like that's a, a reoccurring story for us. We mm -hmm. get a lot of, sorry, I'm interrupting mm -hmm. you. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not at liberty to share the, the rest no, of that's... the details of those things, but he had a very bad experience. Mm -hmm. Wife, um, did not grow up in the Seventh Avenue Church. Grew up in another denomination, mm -hmm. Christian, another mm -hmm. denomination, and visited some Adventist churches. And she came to appreciate the Adventist faith, but they're looking for a church home. And they finally happened on Elevate about four years ago. I've heard that story. I, I as when I was up in Washington from a friend of mine, and yeah. that that was the exact same thing that she was telling me. Like she, she was convicted of the, of the, let's say the fundamental truths or doctrines mm -hmm. or what have you. But um, she she felt like as she went from church to church, she couldn't find a community of people, as she described, that were happy. Ooh. And so she just yeah. kept looking for like, where's there a group of people that are enjoying yeah. and wanting to like, yeah. And when yeah. she finally found it, she was like, wow. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So this family, they've, they've been here the past four years. And this summer, um, the... Uh, wife came to the conviction of like, I want to become a member of this church and I want to, I want to be a part and my kids want to be baptized. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's like, so cool. And we want to dedicate our, our youngest who's like three years old or something like that. Oh, awesome. And I'm like, what's it? And she's like, what's the process? And I was like, well, like you, let's do it yeah, like, whenever you're it. ready. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and just to, it came at a point for me, like having that call this morning, I've, 
over the past, like, I don't know, a couple months in, in a moment of, of vulnerability been like, God, like what's, what's, what's going on? Mm. And, you know, and I resonated with you when you're like, what's, what's my, what's my place? Oh, in this. Yeah, the feeling and, of imposter syndrome was yeah, real like, for the past who, few months. Like, who am I? what am like, I doing like, here? Yeah, and I just I'm I, not bringing anything to the table right now. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just surrounded by people that are better than me. Which uh, I disagree because I feel like the one that I don't bring anything to the table. Oh, but no. anyways, I, that conversation um, with this woman this morning just was a reminder to me of the faithfulness of God. Mm. Like even when I I I. I feel like I've preached the worst sermon I've ever preached, or I totally clunked on a Bible study I'm doing something, or mm. our social event failed, or the music was off, or the the lighting cues didn't hit, or it was just kind of a rough worship service. And there's people that are being blessed because we're showing up and being vessels through which God can be poured out. Yeah. You can't ask for anything better than that. God is faithful. God himself, the God of peace, is sanctifying our community and holding us blameless until Jesus comes. Yeah, it's an impossible thing. I think if you would have yeah. sat down with the group that started Elevate, what did you say, eight years ago, mm-hmm. and said, hey, in eight years' time, we need you to be here, here, and here. Here are the metrics. Hit yeah, all these yeah, numbers. Yeah, yeah. And they would have been like, no. No way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would have walked away. Yeah. I would have walked out of that meeting and been like, no. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> And I, I think that that, you know, that exact illustration to me makes me in some ways reconsider what we define as success. Oh, yeah. Right. Because we just we had a conversation with the lead team a month ago mm. about like, where do we see ourselves in a year or five years? And nothing to do with numbers came up. Nothing to do with giving came up. It was all to do with uh, relationships and interactions with people. We want to make sure everyone yeah. that comes in to Elevate feels like there's someone there that notices them, wants them to be a part of the group, feels like they're a part of the community. Yeah. That, that, that's, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. that's what was most important to them. Yeah. Whether we have two bucks in the bank or yeah. any multiple of that. Well, if we do that and there's only two bucks in the bank, then we did well. And if we didn't do mm-hmm. that and we had you know $100,000 saved up or a million or whatever, well, yeah. we failed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, God is not going to be like, and how much money was left in your account when he returns? You know, like, yeah, he's going to say, did you take care of my sheep? Yeah. Well, that's the, the, the parable of the talents, right? He gives the, oh, true. the, the, the 10, the five and the two or whatever the numbers are. Yeah, yeah. And he <clears throat> expects us to use what has been given to us. And the person that is chastised is the one that went and hit it. Yeah. And we see that. I'm seeing that more and more in the past year, how as as more people join the lead team with a particular skill or talent and they bring it in and like, and they get better at it. And then they mm-hmm. find something else that they're better at. And mm-hmm. it elevates the entire yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, thing that we're doing, like uh, yeah. program that we're uh, doing. It's just... Yeah. Well, and when I came on here, ah, there so was, cool. what, four of us? You, Blake, April, and myself. Uh, and there's a couple of tangential people. There's but like a the, few others. The regular. I, we had gone through a, um, over a year of not having a full-time pastor. So we went from, we had six to eight. And then as we went through that. <laughs> and people were like, yeah. Yeah, like it was hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and so it ended up, yeah, being about yeah. four by the time you came on. And then I think about where we've grown to today, where there's about 30 people that come in and out of mm-hmm. regular involvement and mm-hmm. another 60 to 75 who are, you know, involved in the... At least sp- once like, a month doing something somewhere exactly. somehow. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
And how as we pull more people in, yeah, like it just I want total involvement. To... I just <laughs> yeah. the more the more we get to, to the more people we have involved, like the better everything yeah. just gets. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. let's let's get one more. It gets exciting. Yeah. Like, oh, there's let's... always room for one more. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, no, there should be. So, what do you what do you? The question that came to my mind is like, what do you feel is the impossible thing for us? It's like topically, I get it. First Thessalonians, like. Like what's, what's the impossible thing for Elevate that the only way that that's going to be accomplished is because God himself is working on it. Okay. So we're going to say this on the podcast. Um, I think the impossible thing that we're going to have to figure out how to do through the Holy Spirit's endeavors and grace is to be better connected with our church at large and to be, uh, allow us to be ministered by them and to figure out a way to minister to them. There's got to be a better way to interconnect the two sides. I feel like uh, we're heading in that direction, mm-hmm. but that's, it's hard. It's really mm-hmm. hard to figure out how, uh, what's your place? What is it? What does it look like for us to, now I'm trying to, okay. I have all these other people. I'm imagining everyone listening to this. <laughs> got to put that out of my mind. <laughs> I don't know how, um, I don't know what that road to success looks like. I don't know how to get us to a place where the people that attend first service feel connected and happy that we're here as much yeah. as we feel ha- uh, and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. want a whole bunch of other people showing up for different services. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want, and I'm fine with us having different tastes in music or, or yeah. worship style. That's fine. But I, I should feel comfortable walking in there and they should feel comfortable walking in our space and vice versa. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause then it becomes more about the people that are in the space as opposed to what programming happens in it. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to be careful curators of the programming that happens, but the regular assembly of our gatherings of people is just an excuse to get people together. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a really tight line to walk because we've we're a university church yeah and so we have that and then we also are i think i mean by by demographic we have more retirees in our community than Mm -hmm. most other adventist uh Mm -hmm. meccas if you will Mm -hmm. and and that that you're being pulled in two very different directions at the same time trying to find balance yeah because both sides need each other yeah well and i think within our even within our own quote-unquote demographic that we are charged with uh there's a divide between those that are enrolled in college and those that have graduated. Fair. <clears throat> you know, yeah. how do we, how do we bridge that gap? So let's just say relationships. Yeah. We'll just say, yeah, yeah. There, there you go. Yeah. No, I unpack I, that ha- however you will. I agree with that. You have a better answer? No, no I, okay. I think that's, that's the impossible thing. I think there's. Cause um, it's a constant tweaking. Yeah. It's a constant balancing act. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of nuance too. Cause you know, we can, you can split hairs however you want in terms of ethnic background, orientations, the list goes on. Yeah. And how do we as a community lean in in authentic, filled with integrity relationships?
I, I think it's possible to create an environment where that, that, that can be the case, but not necessarily one where it's always the case for every person because mm -hmm. it's still a choice. Yeah. And we're moving through time and there's mm -hmm. development. There's going to be a new generation in a few years. Oh my goodness. And, <laughs> and I still don't understand Generation Z. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, please stop. <laughs> I think it comes back to, I don't know if it made it on this uh, version of the podcast because we pushed record and then we stopped and we came Sorry, back. No, you're bad. fine. But <laughs> the you mentioned it, coming to scripture with an expectation that what scripture has to say will change who I am. Oh man, if you are reading the Bible and it's not changing you, you're not reading it right. Yeah. You're not reading the Bible. Reading the, yeah. so like, so, so, in, so we'd say, we say we don't know what church is. We don't know what reading the Bible is. Yeah. We, we don't know what that means. To read the Bible means to go there with an open uh, perspective and uh, the uh, an openness that would would mean that you're willing to change how you see something or what mm -hmm. you believe. Yeah, That historically has not been the case for the vast majority of people that approach and read the Bible. Right. That's hard. Yeah. That's very hard to do. Yeah. That's that's the struggle. Maybe that's the thing. Like as individuals, oh, yeah, that's the yeah, thing yeah, that yeah. I struggle with the most. That's yeah, so that's hard to do. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's the, the beauty of the Bible is that the Bible is the only book, and I mentioned this a bunch of times when I preached, but the Bible is the, the only book where the author of the words that are found within its pages can sit down beside you and guide you in your reading and understanding of it. Mm-hmm. In, that's, instantly that's i mean fair. yeah there's yeah. authors that you can but who's accessible right you think about the new york Times bestsellers like you're not just going to call up some some author and be like hey what did you really mean about this yeah like you have to go hunting for it but yeah. as soon as you open scripture you say god what do you have for me within the contents of these pages but, he expounds but to be fair if you are approaching it thinking you already know what it means it, oh. it crowds out the ability for the holy spirit to that's whisper true. That's true. So some people are doing that and they're, they don't even, or are doing it not realizing it. They're thinking yeah. the Holy Spirit's preaching to them. That's, that's how you end up with theology that tells you slavery is okay yeah. or other things. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's where Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount breaks that apart. He's like, you've heard it oh, said, yeah. an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, turn the other cheek. He's like, yeah, you you interpreted maybe the literal sense of these words, and yeah. they were given for this particular time. That's such but here's, a good sermon. Here's the principle yeah. behind it. You know, most of the gospel is not Jesus preaching. Mm -hmm. There's very little that sermon recorded. Mm -hmm. Most of it's stories. Mm -hmm. There's the parables too, but mm -hmm. like most of it is so like Sermon on the Mount. Like that's yeah. I came to, I need to do some uh, more digging into it. I'm reading through the gospel of Luke right now for my personal devotional. Mm -hmm. And that's a good one. In Matthew, Matthew has the, like the Sermon on the Mount is like the, the beginning thing that the rest of his gospel is kind of set on. Like Jesus goes through the wilderness experience, tempted, comes out and he preaches. Right. Luke uses the Sermon on the Mount throughout his narrative arc. Mm. And it, it, it came to came to my mind as I'm, as I'm reading this, just even this morning, that I'm hearing pieces of, you know, if, if, we're, if we'll use Matthew as the manuscript of the, of the Sermon on the Mount, mm -hmm. Luke is interweaving snippets of that manuscript throughout his writing. So Jesus is going from place to place. And so what it says to me is that there was probably a time and place where Jesus opened up the Sermon on the Mount 
and, and exposed that to, exposited that to, to everyone within his hearing. And then he went around and in his day-to-day life lived it out and talked it out. I have so much to learn. (laughs) (laughs) So do I. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Elevate Retake. I really enjoyed my conversation today with Jonathan. So as you guys go about your week, I want to encourage you to think about how you do impossible things. I want you to recognize, realize, maybe sit back and think about the crazy things that have happened in your life and just sort of uh, appreciate how God has held his hand over your life. I think in the same way that God has been doing the impossible thing through Elevate, he'll continue to do that in your life as well, no matter what you're facing or what's around the corner for you. Absolutely. So grace and peace to you. And amen and amen. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Elevate Retake. We've got some stuff in the works, so you're going to want to follow us on Instagram. Find that link in the description. Uh, There's some cool events coming up this fall, and we just want you to know about it. So connect with us there. And you can also leave us a voice message at the link in the description as well. Grace and peace. (laughs) 